This is Creepy and Geeky, a part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network. Welcome to Creepy and Geeky. I'm your host, Robert, and on today's episode is part three in my series on the Saw franchise. Joining me today for this look at Saw 5 and 6 is returning guest Kat Valor. Kat is the co-host of Slasher Radio and the Nick Effin Woo Cage cast. She's also a writer whose debut book, Revenge Arc, is available now and is an awesome read, so go get it. Welcome back to the show, Kat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank Always you for good having have me you for Saw. Like, I, I've been waiting <laughs> for this one to be covered. <laughs> well, I had to do it. Um, you know, it was the, originally this series was timed to coincide with uh, the new movie uh, so that mm-hmm. the last episode would come out like the the Monday right after uh, the new episode came out or the new uh, uh, movie came out. But now, because the movie's coming earlier a month earlier <laughs> now it's just gonna like this whole series is gonna come out afterward so <laughs> but uh yeah no it's it's it, i'm glad to have you on for that i know the saw franchise is uh, one of your favorites so it is and, uh it yeah. is actually it's my favorite uh oh, like okay. full franchise this this one's my favorite wow okay yeah but definitely we'll uh get into some of that for sure um, yeah, we're talking uh, Saw five and six. This is uh, kind of deep in the deep in the middle middle of it all. This is uh, continuing the uh, the story of uh, Detective Hoffman, really, as as the new uh, uh, Jigsaw killer after uh, John Kramer died in number three. So um, it's just continuing on with his story, and we get, of course, we're getting more backstory of John Kramer and uh, how Hoffman got connected to him and and everything else. So. Uh, but yeah, um, so Saw Five was um, this is the one with um, trying to remember now. Saw Five is the one with the group of people who are put in yes. the trap. Yes. Yes. Saw Five so, is um, one yeah. of the big group traps. Uh, that is, it, it's something that's kind of interesting because the story of John Kramer is so continuous throughout Mm -hmm. the movies that when you and and i feel like all horror movies have this where it's like they have one kind of recurring identifying feature um in them with it like in final destination is a really easy one because it's like the big accident at the beginning is kind of how you differentiate which one it is uh for me in saw it's the group traps like (laughs) 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 i can tell them apart by like which group is stuck in the main trap um (laughs) right (laughs) yeah no i i i like the group traps those are my favorites like number two and number five um and jigsaw um, those are the ones that the, the when it's a group of people who should be working together, but who inevitably don't uh, because they're so like suspicious of each other. And um, they're all just so on edge that they all end up dying one by one, just like and a slasher. That, so Saw five really is the epitome of that. 
<laughs> right? Yeah, it really is because they really should be working together and they figure it out at the very end. Oh, we should have yeah. been working together this whole time. But we were all you know, supposed to survive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's the only time they like it's really kind of um said out loud, you know, by anybody is that, oh, if we'd done the right thing, we would have all made it through this easier. Um, but without that, then um but yeah, because number two, nobody really articulates that. Um except for except for funnily enough, uh John Kramer <laughs> he tells them like right at the beginning of something. Oh, yeah. He's like, listen, work together. And they're like, no. <laughs> Hard yeah. pass, and they all die. Well, he always uh, tells everybody <laughs> that. Like he always tells them to go against your nature. Go like don't do the thing that you think you need to do. And every time they do that. And it always, always kicks them it. in the ass. It's just, it's so funny to watch because you're just like, yeah, they're not going to do it, dude. You know it. <laughs> and that's even what he says. I think it's in number six that he says, you know, he knows human nature and just that, you know, he he, he's, he knows that no matter what, even if they make the right decision it's at one point, it's that they're still going to end up failing. So, yeah, you know, he has set these traps in such a way that it's almost impossible that somebody will live through them. Um, and, you know, because he knows by their very nature, by the people who are in these traps, that there's no way they're going to choose to do the right thing and get out of it. So it's, it's kind of pointless, <laughs> <laughs> but he's always surprised when somebody does like Amanda, Amanda got out of it and, you know, did what she needed to do to get out of it in time. So, you know, uh, and I, so. I, it makes us really appreciate Amanda. It, it makes us really, uh, this is, um, five and six are actually, I, I really like these two. I, I have a soft spot for these like middle Saw movies. Um, right. but I, especially because we moved from uh, John Kramer a, as a person is very against corruption, which I think is very funny because his successor is Mark Hoffman, but yeah. I, like systematically he goes against and this is where we see him kind of branch out from his like cops and justice system into you know like other institutions uh that have right. corruption which i think was a really interesting move for the franchise i, I think it was very interesting for john's character i but they're a little bit shaky just because this was after they thought the Saw franchise was going to be gone. There was there were some road bumps uh, letting Hoffman take over because Hoffman yeah. is also very corrupt. Uh, he has his own problems. Yeah. Uh, so, so, but but I do have kind of like a, an appreciation for five and six specifically, where it's like where we're going to tackle you know the politicians uh, to an extent and like the news coverage and that side of the penal system which we don't see very much uh right. in the earlier movies and then like even in six that's expanded upon further where he starts taking on like the corruption of health insurance uh, right. which is just like uh which it makes sense you know because he goes after dr gordon in the first one like i, I feel like it's a natural uh, progression of something we had already seen he was interested in as early as the first movie but um yeah that being said uh five is <laughs> uh just in terms of uh like jigsaw traps I, I i do think this one's really interesting because it's um 
it, we get all of John Kramer's usual, like, you have to not follow your instincts. You've got to work together, right. you know, kind of. And this is just such a blatant disregard for that. Because, you know, especially with, um, especially with the one actual reporter, uh, you know that they're not going to do it. <laughs> like, right. Uh, and this yeah. was one too where the, where they actually have a character say out loud, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so funny too. Cause I mean, it just, it goes back to what I was saying. Like he knows that people are going to fail. Like he knows that no matter what he says to them and gives them all the clues he gives, like, that's the funny thing is when you get to the end of these movies, it's laid out before you all the stuff that he said not to do or to do that he was blatant about, but they all went the opposite way on. They should have yeah. been paying attention and slowed down. Think about things. Now I get it. You're in a high stress situation. You've got like 60 seconds to figure things out. That's going to make it tough, you know? And I mean, but that's what he's doing that on purpose because he doesn't really want them to get it figured out and get them to keep calm and to, you know, take the time to, you know, think about that stuff. So you know, in the end, he he really wants all these people dead. You know, so and then and then you have to wonder about it too, because this is one of the traps that John had set up in his like studio for he had set up like the scale re recreation right. and he had like the instructions for Mark to follow through on. And you have to wonder, I, I think about this a lot. Um more than is healthy. I spend time thinking about what <laughs> would have happened if we hadn't lost John in the third movie. Um, because yeah. I think this could have been drastically different if um, Brit, Julie Benz's character, had made it to the end of this and John Kramer had been the one to like let her out of the trap. I think we could have had like a another amanda moment or another reverse amanda moment even where like she could have not taken the help she could have sought justice you know or whatever right. we, we could have had an arc with her because john i think would have tried to recruit her whereas mark hoffman is like okay you made it to the end like let the police get called or whatever he's right. dealing with his own shit and that's the thing about mark <laughs> is he's always got his own stuff going on because he's always like his solution to everything is just to start shooting people and blaming <laughs> or other stabbing cops. them yeah <laughs> oh my it's God. like uh so that's so the end of this movie kind of devolves and I, it's one of the like missed opportunities i think because we did lose john so soon yeah um we have to follow this Mark storyline throughout five instead of seeing like what John's intentions would have been because someone did make it. And even as late as the last trap, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, they all could have very easily made it if they'd given enough blood amongst yeah. five people, but there's a chance that they can survive with just the two. So it's like, you're still giving them that sliver of hope, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I would have loved to see like what, john's culmination in that was but he really doesn't leave instructions for the survivors <laughs> right that mark like that makes it through mark's traps so it's like <laughs> um and we actually see it's not um the implication is that julie benz lives even though she got recast like they couldn't get yeah. Julie benz back um but there is the like dark-haired woman with the one yeah. arm wrapped back up um 
at the in, in the number seven. survivors group in seven yeah yeah and it's like uh, but i would have loved to see that story <laughs> like mark yeah, gets, in it's, his, gets in his own way <laughs> <laughs> well because mark is coming from a different place like i think yeah. like kramer comes from kramer's definitely coming from a a stance of vengeance and justice you know he's trying to right the wrongs um by taking these corrupt people out um but mark is just killing people um because fucking getting blackmailed (laughs) into this it's just like uh i've gotta kill these people real quick so i can get the fuck out of this (laughs) like well and that's and that's ultimately the other thing too like all the like kramer was like a nobody nobody knew who he was really um and so he was able to do that from the shadows whereas hoffman he's a cop it makes things a lot more difficult to get around some of that stuff but although at the same time being a cop he should have known better how to hide his tracks like he knows what cops are going to look for so like that's you know that that's a failing on his part because he gets wrapped up in all of this like that's that's who he should have been in this whole um like network of yeah. of Kramer acolytes, you know, because eventually we find out there's, you know, not only Amanda, but Hoffman, um, we find out, um, uh, what is it in, in jigsaw, uh, Logan. he's got another one, um, Logan, and then also Gordon Gordon's out there, you know, in yeah. number seven. So it's like, it's, there's so many acolytes that are part of this whole thing. And like, you know, and they each kind of serve different roles and purposes and Hoffman was kind of recruited to be like weirdly like his right hand man for some weird reason. But he obviously still wasn't telling him everything. He didn't tell him about Gordon, you know, and yeah. you know, we don't find out about that until the next movie. But you know, he he obviously didn't trust Hoffman enough. Yeah. He trusted him to a certain extent, but even then, he still didn't trust him enough because he still left instructions with jill and you know and so there's all this going on that just shows that hoffman was not the guy who was supposed to take over everything he was not the he was not the guy um it's something that i do think is really interesting though and one of the reasons why i'm always like grateful that there were well well there are as many saw movies as there are i guess uh we're still getting them uh (laughs) x isn't out yet uh but i do think it's really interesting because there's uh so many like double whammies in this franchise uh losing kramer and amanda in the same movie yeah you kind of have to you, you know you're so shocked and then you know four we kind of go back and we get the explanation as to like how hoffman kind of enters into this you know we get the big jaw-dropping right. moment and stuff five it comes in and tells us a little bit about how he got involved but i don't really think it's until like six and seven that you understand like because there was also someone checking because like when five came out in the theater i was like why is this the guy that john trusted more than amanda to keep going like even if you have to test everyone i feel like hoffman should have been tested first because i would 
I would sooner trust Amanda than Mark still. (laughs) And that's what's bizarre is like, why was Hoffman never tested? Like, why was like, you know, he should have been fully tested, like in the beginning, you know, before anything happened. So, but then like after you see, because that's where I was at when five came out, but then like after six, it's like, if you already have all of these big plans, like laid out, this specifically like we've seen that mark is bad at doing his own plans or doing any kind of cover-up he's bad at thinking on his feet he's not got the right motives for all of this stuff but if you already have plans for like these big things laid out that are that important to you like the fire uh like the arson case in five and the health insurance thing in six then it's like you really at that point want someone who is just going to straight up follow your instructions and is going to be able right. to get it done. And like in retrospect, it makes more sense to me why John kept Mark around as long as he did. <laughs> um, well, because I remember feels... coming out of the theater of five, not understanding like what the logic was <laughs> here, but it that's the what, beautiful thing about the series is that like it will tie up like questions that you have from like several installations back (laughs) yeah because they're they're finally filling in that plot hole so they're just like okay well we need to fix that people have been bitching about that for a couple of years so let's go back and fill in that hole (laughs) so yeah no i think i feel like what ended up happening most and like with hoffman is that he was using hoffman as you know he he needed somebody who was strong number one um and number two he needed somebody that could be his fall guy um yeah (laughs) that could carry on long enough but then who he could throw under the bus later um and i think that was his i think that was his whole intention with hoffman and i think that's honestly kind of why he didn't test him either so that you know because one he knew hoffman probably wouldn't survive a test so yeah. <laughs> um, and he needed him around to do the work for him. <laughs> so, I mean, it, when it comes down to it, Hoffman was more of a patsy than anything else that, you know, would go down when he needed him to go down. And that's why when um, at the end of number six, I know we're jumping way ahead, but at the end of number six, Jill, you know, come puts him in the reverse bear trap and, you know, almost almost takes him out. Almost. So. And I think the, the the frustrating thing for me is that through, especially through five and six here, we're getting a lot with Jill Tuck and a, a lot of her connection and seeing that, you know, she was, she has been a part of this the whole time um, yeah. that she, again, another person connected to Kramer, another person that nobody knew was involved. Um, and I feel like she was like, she could have been like the ultimate partner to him, but they kind of like left that on the floor a little too much. Um, yeah. and it feels like there's that potential there in these two movies, but they never fully realize it. And I feel like she could have been so badass as like the ultimate, um, heir to everything. She could have been, um, yeah. and I would have liked to see that. I, it's rough. Uh, because that's something that I would have really liked to see. Yeah. But I, Seven, I, I, I'm jumping ahead to stuff we're not even talking yeah, about. Yeah. Seven was like kind of undoes some of that because it, I think the direction very much that they, undoes it all. 
that they took it in would have been really interesting if J- if instead of Jigsaw we had gotten Saw Eight that continued the loose ends from Seven. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not even the loose ends, just like the fucking cliffhanger. <laughs> like yeah. they gave us yeah. questions in seven, and then uh Jigsaw comes in and was like, Well, let's introduce Logan. Uh yeah. <laughs> we're like, What? Um, I I was interested enough though in the questions that Seven asked that I was willing yeah. to not let Jill be. But but I do agree with you, like in these middle installations specifically, because Jill has the potential to be a mastermind uh kind yeah. of this especially in six like she's so cool in six um (laughs) yeah that's what's frustrating is just like they build her up and they make her so cool and everything and then seven undoes every potential for her um and it feels so rushed and everything and i know that i've already you know talking about that (laughs) and another thing but i just feel like with you know because they built her up so well in these two in five and six that and especially in six that you know it just feels like such a like again if they they messed up in killing kramer in number three they did um and killing amanda and they messed up by ruining the potential for like it's that's what's frustrating is i I do like these movies and i think Mm -hmm. they're they're overall um consistency and continuity is really good but there's so much potential in these movies that gets squandered. There's um, a lot of lost potential in these movies. And yeah. the thing it's that's usually my biggest pet peeve in horror movies. Um mm-hmm. that drives me crazy so much of the time. The reason why I it and I'm not going to say it doesn't bother me in Saw because it does. I think about this all the time about how much better <laughs> these movies could have been. But I'm also I it's like on the one hand it's very frustrating. On the other hand, I'm so impressed by like how well they covered their tracks with this. No, yeah. Like, you know, like Saw no one knew with the first Saw movie how big this was going to be. Like, right. this was a shoestring, like, uh, kind of, like, let's fuck around and do this kind of a project. And <laughs> yeah. it got outrageously big. And then, like, even with three, it's like, I can kind of understand uh, them thinking that was going to be the last one, you know, uh, wanting to right. go out with a bang and stuff. And then, like, when you see how many times, I-, I-, I can't think of any other franchise that's just been passed around to so many writers and directors and stuff <laughs> right. that has honored the original story to such and a kept degree. It consistent, you know? yeah. And especially with like, and five and six is where I, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about that. It's one of my favorite aspects of the franchise. And I think five and six really cement it because four, it's like, well, okay, you have to go back and you have to tell uh, John Kramer's story in, in the passing of the torch a little bit because we're figuring out who the next jigsaw is going to be, you know? So, so they kind of have this like, um, passing of the torch arc in four but then five and six make the decision where it's like we're going to keep john involved we're going to continue to have the flashbacks we're going to tell the story of how he gets like deeper involved with hoffman you know and then it's like okay well is that you know just the second half of four where we pass the torch off and now we have hoffman and then six came in and it's like no this is still about kramer this is still john's story like (laughs) we're doing this and it's like i really 
Kentucky. I know it's the point where a lot of fans like tapped out because they're like, you know, this dude's dead. Why are we still doing this? But it, it was like what really sealed the franchise for me because it's like we're committing to this and I appreciate it. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that the fact that they have, you know, I, I think that falls to the producers. I think, you know, keeping the consistency yeah. strong like that, they what they do is they they get people who are going to hold to what they want, what they want um, them to do um, rather than, you know, creating a wholesale story on their own. Um, and I know that, you know, um, some of the writers have, had their own stories that they then modified into the saw structure. Um, and so, and that's cool. Like, I like that they, they do that because then it's like, you keep the, the narrative consistent and yes, your, each movie has to then go back and fill in a hole. Um, and can, and each movie has to continue to fill in those holes as it goes along, but that's fine. You know, it's, it's at least in that way, it's, keeping that storyline consistent with each other, keeping the feeling of it. Um, and I think that that's important. And, and especially when you, when you're talking about these long running horror franchise, you look at something else that like Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, they're horrible. They're all over the place <laughs> um, because they, the producers aren't trying to keep any narrative consistency on them. They're just yeah. like, Oh, well, whatever. Um, Chucky is one that Let's does keep it together <laughs> as best as, as as best as possible because uh, Don Mancini's been there the whole time, so yeah. you know, so it that that part works really well, um, and I do like that. Um, it did, but it is frustrating again how, um, just how much potential is lost through these. Yes, I love the consistency. I love the everything that they've done for it, but it's like, but so much has been lost. Um, so, and so many cool interesting things so but i do love and, like especially living in the present timeline where we've seen yeah. jigsaw and where we've seen spiral uh which are <laughs> my two least favorite of the franchise but it's because they didn't follow that formula they're like let's right. take this in a new direction in jigsaw even though the new direction kind of relied on tropes that we had seen in well the i was gonna already. say i feel like jigsaw itself when you look back on it like because i just rewatched, I, I just watched all of these and jigsaw was the only one i hadn't seen um so when yeah. watching that um in comparison to all the others it feels pretty close to a saw movie um oh see i don't feel that way really interesting i i feel like i feel like they've recycled some elements uh from the saw franchise and jigsaw that kind of trick you into feeling like it's a saw movie but (laughs) it feels very uh like action oriented um it feels more procedural uh it, it definitely doesn't strike the same visual cues as the early saw movies and I feel like a lot of the things that feel the most saw heavy from that franchise, like the uh, twist at the end is kind of like the recycled twist from right. four, uh, where it's like, we tricked you. It's two timelines. And we're like, oh, <laughs> all right, I guess it was cleaner than it was in four. I'll admit yeah. it. But it was like, yeah. but it was the same kind of like, I, I feel like a lot of the structure it, that was borrowed from saw was nothing like new enough to really 
Well, and I um, think that that I think that was kind nice. of the point for it, like having watched it, like as myself, as a person who hasn't like devoted themselves to this and like has only watched each of these probably like only twice um, that, you know, when watching that, it felt new enough. But also at the same time, like it was at least trying to stay consistent because then uh, rewatching Spiral um, for me that felt completely off and that was like and and of course it was meant to be it was meant to be something that was completely separate from um the the main franchise it was supposed to be an offshoot of it like you know yeah. inspired by it but not exactly yet and at least with jigsaw and i know i'm i shouldn't even be talking about these cuz i'm talking about them next episode <laughs> but but i mean but it, i mean you again like i go into it in some of the other episodes you kind of have a hard time talking about any of these without talking about all of them um, it, yeah it's, because it's they hard. are so tied together um and their timeline is so twisty and weird that you have to tie it all together and and um, i i do think that like 5 and 6 easily it, you know it's easy to be like we could have gotten more good saw movies if we'd had john kramer longer which i believe is true but it's also easy to be like if the earlier writers and directors and especially the producer team for this franchise hadn't cared as much we also could have gotten less john kramer like and i think five and six would have been the turning point for that because once hoffman takes over after four and darren lynn uh bowsman like handed the franchise over i i think it would have been really easy for this uh to have for like five to have been the new jigsaw and then yeah. <laughs> where where it's like you know we've gone back and then we introduce like our new guy in five and then he kind of takes the franchise in a different direction where it's like you know a new killer and we could have watched him stumble his way through several more movies that <laughs> would have declined in quality uh but I, I like that through line is just so strong i watching the franchise kind of like on the shakier footing that it's gotten to be on uh with the last few installations i i think um I'm really grateful that we had five and six the way that they were <laughs> um, just because like I, it feels like six, I think is the last one that feels fully like a saw movie to me. And I say, this is someone who loves seven. Like I will die on the hill. that <laughs> Saw seven is just, it's a great movie. It's horrible, but it's great. And I love it. <laughs> um, but six is the last one that feels like saw to me. <laughs> like, um, yeah. and it's because we have Kramer, we have the through line, we have right. a big, uh, we have kind of like we have it divvied up into like group traps, and then like one person navigating through other people's traps. Uh, yeah. But in that sense, we do still have you know the one group trap we have william who's navigating through everybody we have the great opening scene we, we have a great twist end you know six is six is everything that i want out of a saw movie and william <laughs> actually is as i talk about three a lot because three is actually like my favorite it, it's got my favorite twist and my favorite group trap but six has my favorite like group trap protagonist like William fucking kills it. He learns his lesson. He uh, repents. He 
he comes out of the traps a better person than he enters you know he he has the like the full amanda arc uh in a very short focused amount of time and with the exception of the lawyer with the exception of debbie i think her name is uh he saves everyone that can possibly be saved in yeah. that trap like he doesn't miss a fucking thing even though he has to take like all of these physical punishments to save people along the way william winner of the soft franchise <laughs> like he's just uh i was i was just having this conversation with someone on twitter the other day because they were we got into the um defensive saw seven thing and it's like <laughs> saw seven i think is a lot of fun but it's hard to watch bobby as a character after you've just seen william as a character yeah. because bobby is the exact opposite of that <laughs> like <laughs> and William just fucking like a hundred percent score across the board. It sucks that he doesn't make it. Uh, yeah. But it's like I I love him. Um, I think it's interesting how number five and number six both kind of parallel two and three as well. You know, because yes. two is a group group trap, five is a group trap, um, and they both kind of in the same. Nobody really makes it out, um, yeah. except for like one person. <laughs> Um, and then six is, um, or three is about, uh, Jeff getting through and trying to save these people. It's, it's di different motivations. Obviously he he's given the choice to try to save these people who he wants revenge on. And so he lets, you know, two of them eventually die, you know, and well, the third also dies, but not through a trap. Um, <laughs> but you know, so I, I think it's interesting how they do that. Jeff ultimately fails, you know, whereas yeah. William doesn't. So it's kind of interesting to watch these in comparison to those because five and six, while sort of being like not retread, I would say, but reminiscent of those two movies and doing them in different ways um, yeah. to, you know, kind of give new interpretations on those other movies. Um, and like, and, and, and that's the thing. I didn't even realize it until I was talking about it now that, how similar they were to those so you know as a as a moviegoer i wouldn't have been like disappointed in the fact that you know these were you know, you know, essentially kind of retread um at least thematically not necessarily in in everything else and uh like the jeff and william comparison is really interesting too i think because it's such they're both very um like jeff we have that kind of catharsis you know it's a revenge story right. essentially where he is you know he's going through the uh motions with the redemption thing you know where it's like yeah. he kind of forgives the judge he kind of forgets the driver at the end even though yeah, he's not able it's to save way him too late. yeah you know and then there's like doesn't the, forgive the, him or he doesn't get, forgive him quick enough <laughs> the, so. the pure anger at the end you know and, and we we're kind of used to seeing that revenge element brought into the saw movies with yeah. william it's so rough because like finding out it's because we follow him uh, and and we've never we follow stories in the Saw franchise of people who have failed their tests, but we've never right. like seen someone. The only other person that we've seen like fully redeemed was Amanda, you know, who ultimately yeah. failed her test, but she went with Jigsaw like for a long time. You know, she was part of the operation and right. she got into the program and stuff. And uh, like William uh, to watch to be that 
intimately focused on someone who learns his lesson and then realize it's not even his test like that just yeah. the heart-wrenching like you yeah. know because you expect especially because we've been like conditioned by saw three where we see someone navigate yeah. a big group trap to think that he's going to have one final test and he's just so primed to pass it and then it's not his you know which yeah and then like retroactively or on rewatches if you're someone that rewatches these movies every year (laughs) um (laughs) it's harder going into six because you know how it ends you know and but you watch him make these decisions for other people knowing that that decision is ultimately going to be made for him I i think it makes six probably one of the most rewatchable saw movies for mm, me yeah um because it just like it's a different vibe <laughs> once you know the twist <laughs> right yeah yeah because then you're watching it going okay you're gonna get through all this but you're not gonna get through it <laughs> yeah. so yeah like make good decisions for these people because the person making your decision isn't gonna do as good a job well, and I think that's what makes it interesting, too, because, you know, he's got to make this decision to save who he can. Um, yeah. And, you know, and he does he does his best. And, you know, especially given all the circumstances. So it's like, you know, it, it's it's like with the merry-go-round. That yeah. was that was such a hellacious thing. You can only save two. And, you know, it's like you want to be able to save everybody. But you know i i feel like he knew immediately which two he was going to save um yeah. you know and and it didn't matter what anybody said he just had to you know wait and unfortunately watch all the others die um and that's hard i mean you you hard. you would want to try to save everybody if possible but it's not going to happen so and I, um, I think but... a really interesting that the carousel, I think, is one of the most like it, you don't think of these movies all the time as being emotional. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people that haven't seen the whole franchise pretty much think of these as torture porn. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, But I, the carousel is one of the most like poignant character moments in a Saw movie yeah. for me. Uh, especially because like you see him struggling with it you see how much like it hurts him to save the first person and like how bad he feels uh for the like people after he's after he uses his second shot to save someone like how bad he feels for everyone and then there's the you know like you look at me while you're killing me and he does and i think that's where we start to see like william has learned like he's a better man now (laughs) like yeah um because we saw how much like trouble he had even looking John in the eyes, like in the flashbacks, you know, and, yeah. and that's what got him here. And and now, um, you know, he he's facing up to stuff. And I just I really appreciate some of the like deeper storytelling of six. Yeah. No. And I think that's ultimately where it, it's it's it comes down to it being interesting that the franchise by and large is that you know, yes, ultimately, you know, it, it comes down to John. If if you're if you if John wants you dead, you're going to be dead. Um, And it doesn't matter your choices, you know, because he knows that you're going to make the wrong choice. Um, yeah. And and but it's interesting to watch them try. Um, it is, you know, and to see because it does make it very like um 
I wouldn't say poignant, but definitely um, it, 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 you watch the struggle and you, and you, cause as a viewer though, too, you're like, well, what would I do in this situation? You know? Right. And you, would I survive? I don't think I, I don't think I would. I think I'd fail and die really quick. Um, Honestly, <laughs> like, you know, like hopefully I haven't done anything to be put in a saw trap, but you know, you know, who knows? You just, <laughs> um, but you know, cause sometimes some of these people are put in these traps, like a, again, some of these people are put in their traps because, you know, they just happen to be associated with the, with the really bad guy. Um, right. And so, uh, you know, guilty guilt by association. Um, or you, or you happen to be like, um, you know, the, the loved one of somebody or something, you know? So it's like, <laughs> you're not even actually guilty of something. You're just the bait. Um, and then you're going to still die because, you know, they can't, you know, save you in time or whatever. Um, which was always yeah, kind of a factor of the, I, yeah. when I, when I say that this is like the last one that feels like a real Saw movie, I, that was always kind of a factor, but I feel like they yeah. were always kind of uh, like kinder to the people that were just like casualties of war in this yeah uh in the franchise up until i i feel like they pushed that line too far in seven like bobby's wife is a fucking angel and she yeah. gets the worst trap of everyone yeah. <laughs> like um I don't know about this, but like, you know, even the people that had even the deaths, you know, that were in this one, you know, they all worked for the evil company. You know, they they yeah, were all yeah, a they were all part complicit. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And all of absolutely. the deaths that weren't in the hands of the people were like very quick, you know, and like when we look at Dr. Gordon's wife and daughter, like that was going to be a gunshot that was going to be relatively very quick in comparison to some yeah. of these other things so it's like i that was always an element of uh, the saw movies was the casualties you know yeah. but they were always so much more merciful up through six in my opinion <laughs> right as opposed to uh, seven got a little bit crazy <laughs> in some regards um but um, six it feels like they were plotting that stuff out still yeah yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think that um, you know, I I I like both of these. I don't know. Let me look at my rating because that's what I like to do now. Is always look at my rating with uh with all of these and try to figure out uh, just where they rank. So I I've think got... it's also worth mentioning. I I like yeah. the characters in five also. Um, I I kind of skimmed past that because William's yeah. like one of my all time favorite characters. But five <laughs> also like Brit. I think is really good. Malik is good. Uh, it's nice when in a group cast there are still some like winners in there. You know, there are right. people that stand out. So I don't have like so my my ranking on these. I'll, I'll I'll caveat these by saying I don't hate any of these movies. Um, okay. like I even like Jigsaw and Spiral. Um, you know because I like that they're somewhat different. Um, especially yeah. after you've watched one through seven and they all feel while they're, they, they push the story forward and they're all interesting in their own ways. They all feel kind of samey after a while. Um, and at least with jigsaw and spiral, they kind of broke out and did some things differently um, that I, that I personally found interesting. So, so I've got saw five at number six. On my list and saw six at number eight. And that's out of ten, obviously. 
Um, so, I mean, they're, they're in the, you know, second half of my stuff, but, um, I, I, they're still really strong. So, uh, they but are. I, I had to pull up my list real quick to actually see what <laughs> numbers they are. They're uh, four and five for me, with six being okay. four uh, okay. and five being the fifth. Uh, that being said, they're actually, I think, the two closest for me, like in terms of quality. <laughs> right. Which uh, is interesting because of the, I mean, they have the same writers, but they have different directors. They do. And which... Hackle was number five and um, <laughs> number six was uh, Kevin Gruter, who was the um, who's been the editor on all of these as well, like all the previous entries. Um, uh, which is really funny because like with the directors in this franchise, that like doesn't always mean a lot because I feel like two of the biggest no. quality differences uh, for me are in between like three and four are not even next to each other on my ranking. Uh, and they have the same director, and then like yeah. even though Jigsaw and Spiral are close to it, like they're next to each other on the list, but I feel like there's a pretty big uh drop. I said that Jigsaw doesn't really feel like a Saw movie to me, uh, which is true. I I don't feel that way, but uh, I I actually like a lot of the things that Jigsaw did, like right. Um. So yeah, but there's a pretty like big quality decline in even in some directors. So I, <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> that five and six are so close. Like I I don't want to call them interchangeable because I like them for different reasons. Right. But yeah. like I they're so close. Like at six, I only like just a little bit better. I think. Um, and it really is. It's like right there. I, and I think one of the things is because. I, I don't know if this is like an aging thing. Um, I don't know if I'm just becoming like a really cynical person as I grow <laughs> older. Because uh, I was, oh God, I was young when Saw came out. Uh, I used to go every year to watch the new one like for my birthday in theater. And uh, <laughs> when that started young. <laughs> <laughs> It explains a lot about my childhood, I think. But uh, I grew, <laughs> like, I literally grew up with these movies. I was like, like eleven or twelve, I think, when I started going to these. And wow. uh, I like these just meant so much to me as a kid. Uh, I grew up yeah. with this franchise, and I remember just being like, because they were so. It wasn't that they were scary, but like they had that moral component where I would think about them like pretty much until the next year when the next one came out, like <laughs> uh, they were on my mind a lot. Uh, I, it made it very effective horror for me because, right. you know, there were just, it wasn't like what you were seeing on screen. It was just like the implications of everything. And that really got under my yeah. skin. That's still something that kind of gets under my skin with horror movies. It's why I like like crazy foreign horror films now, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like I the one thing about the, it going back is because a lot of the stuff, like a lot of the moral dilemmas, even though I could get it, you know, where it's like, oh, this is a bad cop and now he has to take a test or like, oh, right. they've killed John Kramer because they denied him treatment and now they have to do a test. Like as a kid, some of that stuff went over my head. I remember the like doubling down of appreciation for this franchise uh, that I had when like as an adult, I was rewatching six and it's like, 
I'm kind of a little bit on John's side. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to go so far as to say he was justified, but like as someone that now pays for my own insurance uh, and has had yeah. to do like all of these dumb medical tests and has been denied like treatments and medications and, you know, appointments for stuff. It's like the anger is real. <laughs> like, right. This uh, th- that was kind of a turning moment uh in my life where it's like where you start to understand john kramer and it's like that might be where you're a little bit too cynical and then like after <laughs> that too uh, because that was like a big um like turning point for me where it's like you know if he was right about six and then you start to like go back and there are a couple moments in this franchise six was the one that like really sparked it for me but there are a couple other moments, like when you learn that Eric Matthews was framing people, yeah, uh, to get his convictions into, and when um the one that I think hits most people the hardest and would have hit me the hardest if I had been paying better attention, I think as a kid, uh, Ivan's death in Saw Four, uh, where it's like wh- because that's the one that like it gets rig angry enough that he wants Ivan dead also. And I, I think that's one of the ones, but there are moments in this where it's like, I, I think the fact that you not necessarily relate to John Kramer, but where you understand where he's coming from. I, I yeah. think give this series kind of some longevity that it, it might not otherwise have had. Well, yeah, because I think, that you know when we look at the history of slashers um you know and 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 john kramer can somewhat be put into that um category um that you know most slashers have very you know if they have any motivation beyond killing they have very shaky motivations you know thinking yeah. about the the scream killers um any of any screen <laughs> any ghost face just had the shittiest motivations ever. They're always the worst. Um, And so when you look at Kramer, you can sit there and go, you know what? I understand where he's coming from. And I kind of understand what he's going for here. I don't agree with his methodology at all, (laughs) but I can understand his anger, his frustration and his desire to make some kind of positive change in a person um even if it is by you know torture <laughs> so <laughs> you know it's it's like it that's you know definitely not the method you want to go for but no. yeah i can understand it so yeah and you know his again his reasonings some of his reasonings aren't always the greatest either you know but you know, you can understand overall what he's going for in that sense of justice and and yeah. and um and not revenge um necessarily just you know he he's kind of karmic retribution for these people so it's uh, just uh, it's interesting he's always um yeah he's always been one of my favorite like villains in a horror movie because I just yeah. I, I and I think it's um. I think it's why it meant so much to me in these middle movies um, that he does stay so much in the front and center yeah. because he really is kind of the heart of this. Like if we had moved to Hoffman, it would have been a guy just killing yeah. for 
revenge or for fun or whatever the hell is going on <laughs> or for blackmail i guess is the case right development. but it's like well, that that's... would have been like another traditional slasher thing it, it yeah. wouldn't have meant as much yeah and i think that's ultimately what they're going for in these two which is which makes it more interesting is that you know we could have we could have just written it off and said okay well you know kramer's dead you know we're gonna move on we're not going to worry about his story anymore, or maybe we'll touch on it lightly or whatever. And we're just going to move on to the next protege. Um, they could have easily done that. Other series have done that. Um, but instead they, they kept him front and center um, because they realized, you know, whoops, we kind of killed the guy who was like <laughs> the, the whole motivating factor behind all this. Um, we'd like to tell more of his story. And I think that, that ultimately when people go to these movies, I think that's what most people are going for. They want to know more about John Kramer. They're not yeah. like as much as they're there for the traps and don't get me wrong. Everybody's there for the traps. Come on. But <laughs> you, you're also there for the overall story more than anything. And like, at least for me when watching all these, like as much as I do appreciate spiral, the fact that John Kramer wasn't a part of it was kind of like, okay, that's kind of not, like it's not as interesting. Um, it was yeah. still interesting to me in in some ways, but you know, at least with Jigsaw, they found a way to bring him back into it, and you know, it. So at least with these movies, by having him be an integral part of it, um, it 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 means a lot more um, to the overall franchise. And I think most fans of the franchise would agree that that's the reason they keep coming back for it is mostly for John. Absolutely. I also yeah. I think it's good that um I, I don't think it's good that we lost him so early. Uh I, I've been very vocal about that. If John Kramer <laughs> had lived longer, this would have been a better franchise. But I think uh, so too, yeah. I, again, just like in these middle installations and starting as early as four and then moving in through five and six, uh I, I think there is a certain respect that I have for john uh at that point because it's like it he puts he tests everyone he's like constantly putting random lives on the line and when he tests amanda he's willing to put his, like his own life on the line also uh and i think in retrospect in the movies after we've lost him you know it's one of those things where it's like he believed this so much yeah he was willing to put himself through this the same that he would anybody else, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, in the first three, he's central to all yeah. of these, you know, oh, he's yeah. in the middle of the floor. Number one in number two, he's taunting he's Matthews. He knows he's going to get beat <laughs> yeah. the hell down by him to, to get this to work. And then in, in three, yeah, he's mostly in the bed, but he's getting his skull sawed into, you know, and he's <laughs> meanwhile, he's, he's sitting there taunting um, um, Amanda and, you know, and, and, and just trying to work everybody up. So like he was so integral to each of his little traps each time, at yeah. least in the first three movies that taking him out, like it definitely feels like there's a loss because Hoffman, while Hoffman puts himself into the one in number four, um, you know, after that, he keeps himself out of that. Um, he also, and, and 
Yeah. He looks so fucking smug about it, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different energy when Hoffman's involved in a track. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, I, I, it, something was lost with John, but then you do kind of, I, I really appreciated just like what John had brought uh, and how well he had thought through stuff after that, especially knowing like, especially preparing for the fact he wasn't going to be there for like these particular traps where it's like, yeah, you know, the, this needs to continue on after me, but uh, like he knew fully he was not going to be there. And just that like doubling down on the, him being that prepared to die in at yeah. the saw three was um it was it was special the, this franchise <laughs> it's structured just in such a unique way like yeah i think it's i i do think it's interesting how they've managed to keep it so tight you know we i mean we already talked about it but it's just like that is one of the biggest appeals to it is that, you know, each installment, you know, you're going to get more of the story, whatever questions you might've had um, will probably get answered. Um, maybe not fully um, and maybe not completely to your satisfaction, but they'll, you know, they'll answer some of your questions, um, you know, and a lot better than a lot of franchises would even attempt to. So, yeah. Yeah. You know. Like I said before, like there's so many horror franchises that are so scattered and like every installment is just like a story in itself without any kind of narrative structure as a, to the whole that it just, you know, everything just falls apart. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it, sure. No, it's fun it's to watch. Fun. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to watch movies that are you know separate and just kind of like it's more of an anthology series more than a straight through line. And, and that's that's fine. That that makes it fun, too. But uh, yeah, Saw Saw succeeds because of that as well because it's it, it's it, because it holds it all together, and especially for something that they were like literally slapping together every year, um, yeah. quickly writing these these things to you know make work for seven years straight. So it's it's crazy how good they managed to do it. So especially I, uh, in the I... middle years. Yeah, especially in the middle years. Uh, and I think we got it right at the right time because I don't think... I, I We can see it a little bit. I, I know I keep like sounding like I'm throwing shade. I'm actually... I'm really excited for Saw X. Uh, I, <laughs> I have hopes uh, for yes. it that I haven't for kind of a while. But I'm like... I, I think we're at a place in narrative storytelling with franchises where we've become too reliant on like these twists and these intermediary like you know like going back and retelling parts of the story and jumbling yeah. the timelines and stuff and i don't think that we could have had saw at like any other time i think if we'd had it any sooner if this had been a 90s franchise um it would have been a goddamn it probably mess. would not have been good yeah <laughs> uh we would have had like zombie kramer in the fourth installation and then like it yeah. just would have gone you know off the we would have had jigsaw in space. In space yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's always the uh i i think we would have had that if we'd had it sooner and i think if these were movies that were like still being made without having had a break 
you know yeah i i think they would have gotten convoluted very quickly yeah i um, think they were smart by doing what they do what they did with number seven stopping taking a break and they like they made that conscious decision to stop even though like at the time you're like okay but you left a super dangling <laughs> plot thread there that really needed to be picked up right away <laughs> um it'd be different if you had like you know i don't know lo- like left it closed or something like that and not had that dangling there but boy yeah well and each yeah. one has kind of been like that since then seven left it open jigsaw left it open for whatever they were going to do next and then spiral did the same thing it's like okay but can somebody pick up a plot thread no we're just going to go back to between one and two wait what why that's my hope is that like i hope that saw 10 does really really well and then saw 11 picks up from saw 7 (laughs) we just don't talk about it we just move forward uh from that point uh, and then maybe, you know, Saw 15, when when we've had our good run of those, uh, Saw 15 can pick up from Jigsaw and, <laughs> you know. Right. Then Saw 20 can pick up from Spiral. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I, the plot threads do drive, because it was so good about it for so long. Uh, I think it really irritates me. Like, I it's. It's Saw 5 where we get the, like, full explanation as to why Amanda failed her test, uh, which was, like, yeah. two movies ago, you know, that this yeah, yeah. cliffhanger that we had. And, like, I, I got so used to just, like, being patient about them answering questions that now that we're starting to not answer those questions, it's like, wait a minute, am I being too patient? Like, give me answers, yeah. though. Do something. Uh, Make a Saw TV show or something. <laughs> yeah. I w- I'd watch the hell out of a Saw TV show. Um, I mean, I, 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 I mean, obviously it's not expensive. Like the Saw movies are not expensive. So, I mean, you could no. do a Saw <laughs> TV series fairly easy. So, But I, I'm excited that we're getting more Saw content. <laughs> and I'm excited for yeah. Saw 10. Um, I, got my, uh, I got my Saw tattoo, finally. <laughs> and I did it before the movie because I was... I was I had plans like right before this is terrible, uh, but I had plans to get it uh, right before they announced Spiral. And then I was like, um, I, I'm going to get it to celebrate Spiral. And then I saw Spiral and I was <laughs> like, I don't know if I want my saw tattoo associated with this particular saw memory for the rest of my life. So this time I got it like well ahead, like I made the appointment well ahead of saw 10 um, so that they would be like separated in my mind, just on the off yeah. chance it's bad. Um, but I am <laughs> excited for it. Uh, I I love this franchise so much. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, like I said, you know, it's it's the same writers that wrote Jigsaw and Spiral. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. Um, but it's also the the director slash editor. Um, Kevin Gruterrett so he's coming back just like Darren Lynn Bowsman did for Spiral so it's like they're actually you know at least you know hopefully gonna make something interesting I don't know um, we'll see how it works out um, <laughs> it, it looks interesting at least from the trailer so uh, I'm excited to see what they do with it me too I, and I like I, I was talking about um this on a different thing because there are franchises we talked about uh halloween where they have gone back and uh just kind of like uh 
retconned the canon yes. <laughs> of a franchise. Uh, someone was asking, like, uh, I think that Saw 10, the premise for it, having not seen it yet, obviously, uh, I think that going back to a time when John Kramer was alive um, is maybe as close as we're going to get to that in the Saw yeah, franchise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's okay with me. Like that, it's yeah. a decision that I'm comfortable with because we, everyone, obviously, like I, f- I feel like they're looking at it and being like, "This isn't working so well. We need to go back to like when it was yeah. working, uh, which was with John, you know." And, right. and they've chosen a point in the timeline that has John alive that they can go kind of mess with. I don't think that we're because this is a point there wasn't like a 40 year break like there was yeah with halloween where we can be like okay we're going back just to the first one to start over you know right uh, this is still a continuing franchise that even though there have been shorter breaks we're still making like that first timeline so it's it's a little bit too early to just start over on it but i do i i do like that we're kind of tiptoeing to that place you know, it's like, this is as close as we're going to come to that. And um, I, I'm here for it. I And the thing is, I like Tobin Bell. Like, I yeah. know he's going to do a great job. Well, and Amanda's coming back, too. So that's and that's going to be really cool. Amanda's fantastic. Amanda's my favorite. Um, I <laughs> When people ask me why I like three so much, it's like, it's because it's a good Amanda story, honestly. Yeah. Um, I just, I like, there's so, again, it's just so much weird lost potential. Like I almost want them to remake the series. Um, and I know they'd have to do different actors and everything like that. And if they could get good replacements, I'd be okay with that. Just so that maybe we could like not remake the series, but start over from one and just kind of do the things like hold to the potential. Don't kill John early. Don't kill Amanda early. You know, make Jill a much bigger, better character uh, than she was. Um, you know, maybe kill Hoffman earlier. Um, you know, <laughs> it's just so many, so many potential, like, uh, you know, fulfill Gordon's like storyline. Um, yeah. There's just so many of those things that would be actually just really fun to like, look at in a new lens. Um, and uh- just kind of see where the stories could have potentially have gone. I do think this is one of those like there's part of my brain that always wants them to kind of start the timeline over and then it's like that's got to be like a be careful what you ask for thing yeah because there are so many ways that it could go horribly wrong but I I would also like to see that and especially if they did it as something that like was easy to differentiate from the canon because like yeah I I do now kind of have that fear where it's like if if saw 10 ends up like diverging the timelines as a fun twist and then they <laughs> decide to go back to the spiral timeline but that's saw 11 like i would i would die i my brain can't handle that <laughs> <laughs> i've been defending this movie my this franchise like over half my life now two-thirds of my life have gone to defending saw and if they do something crazy i'm gonna i'm gonna be mad um <laughs> but <laughs> But also, like, if they did something like a show, you know, where they they started just yeah at the end of one, and we we got to see, you know, what we could have had. I think something like yeah. that would be really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, I I agree. I think that, that there's so many ways to mess it up. Um, that as much as I'd like to see 
the the good potential aspects of it, I fear that they would make the wrong choices um, yeah. far more uh, because you've seen it happen time and time again when people try to redo something, um, you know, and just they just mess it up rather than you know, fixing it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's scary. Uh, um, and I yeah. think like stakes are high for this one. Oh, yeah. I, I'm excited that we're still getting Saw stuff. I'm so upset that I'm not going to make it out to the unlicensed Saw musical this year. That's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the kind of content I need in my oh, life. Yeah. Did you, I'm sure you saw it yesterday, the uh, the, the Saw uh, AMC oh, the parody. Trailer. Yeah. <laughs> the AMC, AMC <laughs> made them pull it from the... from. Uh, online so now it's like, that was so like sad. obviously people have copied it and reposted it but they did make them pull it i'm like it's that's great advertising you know yeah. so like that makes people actually appreciate the amc the original more because of that now because of exactly. because it's a parody it's like people need to calm down <laughs> oh well <laughs> oh well <laughs> but all right. Um, th that's about all I've had to say about these movies. Um, I like them. I think they're good. Um, they're kind of low on my list, but you know, again, that's not because they're bad. And, you know, they're just, you know, I like other ones more, I guess. So, yeah. but, uh, yeah, but they were a lot of fun. Um, they had a lot good, a lot of interesting bits for them. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad you liked them so much. I'm glad you came on. Yeah, I'm glad I got to come talk about Saw. Um, <laughs> I, I'm always happy to be on the show, but it's always exciting yeah. when I feel like I have an area of expertise. In <laughs> yeah. Uh, all no, the all the countless hours watching Saw has not gone to waste because I, I get to come on Creepy and Geeky. And <laughs> There you go. Definitely. Well, why don't you let people know where they can find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cat underscore velour. You can uh, find me on the other social medias at some point. Eventually, I will start using them at cat velour. <laughs> uh, and you can check out my website, catvelour.com. So. <laughs> All right. Excellent. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on again. And thank you very much. It's always, it's always great having you on. Of course, it's always great being on. <laughs> Thanks again to Cat for joining me on Friday. Alice from the Drunken Horror Podcast joins me to talk about Spider-Man Homecoming. And on Monday, Cat Hughes returns to the show to talk about Saw, the final chapter, and Jigsaw. Thanks for listening. Creepy and Geeky is a part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network. Please check out morbidlybeautiful.com slash podcasts for more great shows. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving the show five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, please share the podcast on social media to help spread the word. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or at creepyandgeeky.com. Music for the podcast is Gratitude, composed by Jerry Smith. You can follow the podcast on social media at creepyandgeeky on both Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to follow me, I'm GeekThulu on Twitter and Blue Sky, and Geek.Thulu on Instagram. You can support the podcast by ordering teas and more on TeePublic or by donating to the coffee page. All of the links are in the show notes. Finally, don't forget, stay creepy.